0: Hey Mike. Hi Caleb. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing quite well. We've got some nice evening sunlight streaming in here in California and uh, it's a little bit warm but uh, it's hard to complain about that. Nice. What are you drinking tonight? Tonight I am drinking a sidecar. Um, it has the word car in it. That was the best I could do. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I fear that the lemon that I use is a little overly tart. Um, I, I procured said lemon at Safeway and Safeway is a miraculous company in that they manage to exist in California, yet have terrible produce. And I, I don't understand how they do it. Well,
1: uh, I have an old pal today. Nice. And uh, it's good. I had to get some more rye uh, over the weekend, and so I'm ready to go.
0: One can never have too much rye.
1: Yeah. Apparently, the vermouth, dry vermouth, you're only supposed to keep for a month or two. So I should be getting some fresh vermouth. This might be a little bit old, so...
0: It is going to age a pro tip for you and everyone else out there. If you get these splits, like the 375 milliliter Mm -hmm. vermouth bottles, once you then move to the full size, 750 milliliter bottles, uh, when you get to halfway, you can pour it into the 375 bottle and prolong its life because it's actually the amount of oxygen sitting in the bottle that causes it to age. Mm -hmm. So if you immediately take some and dump it into a smaller bottle, it'll live longer.
1: All right. Pro tip. I like it. There (laughs) you go. So tonight I thought we could talk about uh, safety uh, and safety as it pertains to Tesla, uh, their current vehicles, how safety is measured uh, by outside agencies as well as sort of the features that go into safety, what if anything is inherently better about Teslas or electric cars in general. And this really uh, sparked my attention because this uh, as we record um, a new story came out about a, uh, a surgeon who owns a model X, uh, Mr. Braman from Edina, Minnesota, uh, got into an, a car accident in his model X. Um, a GMC truck struck him by, uh, going through a red light illegally, uh, at about 45 miles per hour. And, uh, there were six passengers in the model X and his dog apparently, and they all walked away uh without any major injuries uh from this really big accident and uh i sent you the photos of it and the story and the entire front of the model x was totally sheared off and destroyed yeah the front um, was ob- obliterated yeah and uh and also just like he w- the the guy said that he was really impressed that the uh uh, the, the airbags covered the entire panoramic windshield and really everyone was just sort of more shooken up than anything.
0: Even in the, the Falcon wing doors too had some airbags popping up on, on top of them. Yeah. And so I, I just
1: thought it was um, another example of, um, you know, we've, you know, there's going to be accidents with with Teslas and especially um, another car driving uh, through a red light. It's going to be tough to avoid that. And so, you know, how, how safe are Tesla's? How much does Tesla take safety um, as, a, as a design goal? And just sort of talk through that a bit since um, the Model X has not yet been reviewed by any of the, uh, the safety boards that um, do crash testing yet, but the Model S has. So I wanted to sort of talk through what they've done so far there and, and then maybe hit on what it means for Model 3 um towards the end of the episode
0: so uh yeah that was sort of the main topic for tonight cool cool and there was a little bit of miscommunication and i ended up like googling the safety dance uh video and and got that song stuck in my head so if if at any moment tonight i start lapsing into the lyrics of that great uh 1980s montreal uh new wave song i I apologize and I didn't even know what that was. And you reminded
1: me. Uh, I knew the song. I apparently. knew that you knew what it was. I mean, everyone knows what it is. Yeah. If you don't know what we're talking about, I would recommend uh, putting that into Google or Spotify or Apple Music and you'll.
0: Put it into YouTube because then you can watch the video, which has uh, the yeah. full effect of the. Uh, essentially, it's like takes place at a Ren Fair and there's like a Maypole and there's <laughs> a dwarf playing a ukulele or a Lear or whatever it is. Uh, yeah, it, it is a quintessential piece of, uh, 1980s, uh, MTV history.
1: All right. So back to Tesla safety, uh, <laughs> set of the safety dance. Um, yeah. So
0: safe, uh, how does Tesla rate with, uh, with crash testing and, and, and how do, maybe you can walk us through like what crash testing is like, what are the official channels for it and how Tesla performs?
1: Yeah. So, um, Tesla has performed quite well in all the tests they've gone up against. And so separate from like car reviews, which are purely subjective from car and driver or Top Gear or other um, automotive magazines or uh, sites, uh, crash testing uh, is, is done by sometimes government agencies and sometimes independent third parties. And they run vehicles through the same tests And so they can have a comparable set of uh, scores to allow consumers to understand how to make more informed buying decisions, as well as uh, other interested parties, in this case, insurance companies, in understanding how to insure different vehicles and the occupants who are holding the policies. So um, I think the first sort of uh, thing to, to go over is who some of the major players are in the testing world. And so...
0: When you say government, does that are you referring to the U.S. government, or is it uh, each individual like areas around the world have their own government testing?
1: Yeah, so uh, the U.S. government has one. Um, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration (NHTSA) uh, has is tasked with uh, testing um, high volume vehicles, and then uh, many of the European Union uh, countries. Um, will follow the European New Car Assessment Program, which is shortened to the Euro NCAP program. Um, I didn't, I couldn't find too much information for, uh, many other countries who do major testing. So, If uh, listeners know of other major crash testing standards, um, love to know. But the three that really stood out were the NHTSA one, the NCAP, the Euro NCAP, and then also an independent one in the US, uh, the IIHS, um, which is for the uh, Institute of, uh, the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety, um, which is actually a nonprofit uh, funded by insurance companies. So one is a federal agency, uh, NHTSA, the other is a nonprofit, and then the NCAP is also a government agency for the European uh, countries. And so these these folks basically will uh, buy vehicles uh, that they believe will be high sellers so that there's more likelihood that people will care what those reviews are. So they're not necessarily testing super niche cars, they're testing high-volume cars. And they will run them through a battery of crash tests, which are executed by, uh, in some cases, third-party companies who have to adhere to certain standards to execute the tests. And then those results are made public and are usually summed up in some sort of rating system.
0: And these are the videos that we see with, like, the crash test dummies or the big, like, sled with, like, a weight on it, like, smashing into the side of a car? Yeah, exactly. And so different agencies will release those videos
1: uh, in doing research, like, the... uh, NHTSA ones are officially released in a WMV format, uh, which was very difficult <laughs> to play, but YouTube had a lot of transcoded ones. Um, so the NHTSA testing uh, in the US was introduced in 1979. Um, so not that uh, not that old, um, but um, sort of really came around to start understanding how safe vehicles really were in the, in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. And early '70s cars were extremely uh, dangerous. I, I've been there's some uh, really interesting videos of watching '50s vehicles go
0: through crash testing, and they are completely ob- obliterated. Um, oh yeah, like the steering column would come and impale the driver. And the uh, actually in the '70s, the Pinto, the Ford Pinto, was a famous one. My my dad actually had one of those, and it was famous for combusting and exploding yeah. in uh, bumper-to-bumper collisions, like low speed. Uh, bumper to bumper collisions because the gas tank was located like right behind the rear bumper such that it actually would uh, get impaled and explode during a, a low speed crash
1: yeah so it, car safety was not the largest uh, concern of car manufacturers in that era uh, seat belts were not required and so the government uh, at least in the u.s wanted to start putting some standards in place and starting to create an environment where manufacturers would be held to account for the safety of their vehicles. Um, and so the uh, the NHTSA testing institute was created. Uh, it's called the New Car Assessment Program, NCAP. And it's generally what you would think of as when car advertisements talk about five-star safety rating. That's what the five-star system is. That's from the federal uh, funded program. And interestingly, uh, they buy the cars with taxpayer dollars, so they're not provided by the companies and they choose which cars they want to test. It, it isn't that every single car is going to get a five star, uh, crash testing assessment. Uh, many cars don't even get tested because they don't sell in enough volume, uh, to warrant the, the agency testing them. So when you say volume, do you mean like, uh, like, like the Bugatti's aren't getting tested? Yeah, No, many of those cars are not tested. Uh, also many convertibles and cabriolets are not tested that sell in low volume. So yeah, many, many cars are not tested only
0: weird. You think you'd want the cabri, the like convertibles to be tested with, especially with like crashing or flipping and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's funny, actually only $12
1: million is spent on the program each year. Mm -hmm. Uh, so really low cost service. Um, So you can't
0: really test many McLarens with that budget.
1: No, certainly not. That would uh, give you maybe 10, uh, (laughs) and you might need more than one to crash test. So it's, uh, it's interesting. So, um, like they go to pretty extreme lengths in their standards to even make sure cars are tested at the same temperature. So they'll temperature control the testing environment to 70 degrees, uh, to make sure they behave the same way. So it's very rigorous. Um, and, What's interesting also is that uh, new standards have been put in place since 2010 for the uh, NCAP, so the NHTSA testing, um, because what was happening was many of the uh, manufacturers were starting to realize, uh, similar to high school students taking standardized tests, (laughs) that it wasn't uh, about how smart you were and in the analog here, how good of a safety vehicle you were, but actually how well you did on the test. And so uh, car companies were getting very good at engineering their cars to perform well on the safety tests uh, such that many cars would get four stars, uh, even very unsafe um, in real world performance vehicles. And so in 2010, they raised the standards, so uh, before any Model S's were tested, um, such that five-star ratings would be much more difficult um, to attain. And so older cars, anything but before the 2010 vintage, those star ratings are actually not comparable and are sort of a more inflated scale. Um, They added more tests. They added more data from the crash test dummies, including things like the whiplash types, uh, effects that would happen to people's heads. And they also added a small adult female, uh, dummy into the testing, uh, sort of barrage where previously they had been using a 50th percentile, um, adult male as the dummy. And so for smaller, uh, smaller men, smaller women, or average-sized women, and also uh, uh, teens, uh, many of the tests when you would run them on those those sorts of people would actually perform very poorly um, because they couldn't withstand uh, the forces of these uh, cars coming coming into them.
0: Oh, yeah. You'll see like shorter people that, and they're almost like hugging the steering wheel because they're, they're so close to the steering wheel because t- to reach the pedals, I guess. That yeah, if all of a sudden an airbag shoots off, that's going to be a very different sort of uh, response than a taller
1: person. Yeah, exactly. And also, sort of where your head is in relation to the windshield, um, and how much mass you have as a body, um, how sort of how you move through the
0: vehicle. So, so that's interesting. So that means like when they when they're crash testing, that means they're doing like a head on, like a, a three quarter kind of thing. And there's a, I guess, an interesting. Tension there, where they want to standardize it across models, but by standardizing it, they create the ability for people to cheat it. Is that kind of what you're saying?
1: Yeah, and, and also they they so the NHTSA one has three tests. There's the first is a full frontal test, uh, which is sort of the the likelihood of a vehicle uh, driver passenger injury, and when a vehicle crashes into a barrier at 35 miles an hour. Which apparently is a very unlikely scenario in most crashes. So that one's sort of on, un- that's the one, the classic one you see of just the car running into a, a cement barrier. Yeah. So that's number one. That's at 35 miles an hour. Um, the next one is a side impact. Uh, and there's one where it's like being hit with a 3000 pound
0: vehicle at 38.5 miles per hour. Um, that's and then, the one that I have some experience with my, my wife was driving our, uh, our 2000 Volkswagen Jetta and got T-boned by a, uh, Honda Civic, uh, oh, when wow. we lived in Seattle, um, and totaled the vehicle, but the, uh, Volkswagen for all of its, uh, faults with the diesel problems lately has generally a pretty good track record in safety. And that's where we, uh, that's where we, uh, ended up. She she walked away. Okay. So that oh, was that's good. good.
1: Yeah. And uh, so that that one had been there, but they recently added a new one of uh, a side impact with a with a pole uh, at 20 miles per hour, which uh, more approximates if someone were to slide off the road into a telephone pole um, oh, that's or, or that's strangely specific. Yeah. Apparently what's interesting about the pole test is that it it focuses the energy on a much smaller area. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that creates more, uh, acute challenges for impeding on the driver's, uh, footwell.
0: And is that area like always the same or do they vary like randomize that area when they do the crash test? It's always the exact same. Mm, so, so this is
1: one of the challenges is that, they want to test them all exactly the same because different vehicles will have, uh, you know, different sizes and things. And so they, they always sort of hit it in the exact same spot. And so this is the same challenge where they, you know, once the test is known, car manufacturers will sometimes reinforce their vehicles <laughs> for those specific parts of the, right
0: of the, of the car. Um, and they can't, you can't really test again. Like once you crash test it once, you need a completely new vehicle to do it in a different location. If you were going to do that.
1: Yeah, and, and also that, um, yeah, there's just sort of a limit to how much you can crash a car and not, um, yeah, you can just sort of crash it once. So they need to buy a couple of the vehicles for each test. Um, the saving grace is that the other, uh, the IIHS and also the NCAP one have different tests. Um, so we'll get to those in a second. But the, the final one for the NHTSA, which is a new one also, um, is a rollover rating. And what's funny is it's gotten to the point where they don't even actually test it. Um, they just use a formula to uh, calculate what the likelihood of rolling over would be and how. Seriously?
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> We're not and, that far removed from the Suzuki Samurais and the Ford Explorer debacles of the 90s and early aughts. So apparently,
1: yeah, apparently they just take the car's width and center of gravity into account, plug it into the formula. And the agency says that the test is valid after comparisons with actual statistics from car crashes. So, fascinating. Um, yeah, uh, Tesla seems to have mentioned at one point that they were, they broke the testing machine. So that may <laughs> be, I'm not sure. I, I saw, I, I saw some conflicting, I mean, there's conflicting information about the rollover test. So. We'll get to the Tesla results for these tests, but just sort of to outline it. And the IHS, sorry, the IIHS one is apparently a lot um, more rigorous and Tesla has not yet gone through that one. So there's five different crash tests in that one. Um, and they do a lot more realistic testing. So a small like overlap or like 25% of the cars hit, with a, hit a barrier at a higher speed of 40 miles per hour. There's like a moderate one where a larger portion of the car strikes a barrier. There's no single straight on test. There's a side test where like an SUV hits the car at 31 miles per hour. They have a roof strength test where a metal plate is pushed against the car's roof. And figures out how much force is required to push the roof in. And then there's now a new head restraint one and seat test to test whiplash uh, and forces on the head and neck of the of the driver uh, and, and passengers to make sure the safety restraints are working well. And then the IHS also started putting in a new one for active safety, which is front crash prevention. So you might have seen some new like Volkswagen commercials or Volvo commercials talking about um, uh, emergency braking systems, and and this is that test. They're starting to test for it, and to get the highest rating, um, which is apparently good, um, top safety pick, which is good. Um, you have to actually have uh, front front. Um, uh, front braking assist so, so
0: is that just braking or does it like some uh, uh oh man i don't remember what it is but during the olympics there's been a, a commercial airing it might have been mercedes uh, about um obstacle avoidance too where they apparently the car will brake and like cut the wheels to get uh to prevent you from hitting something
1: apparently so far the testing is just the emergency braking system uh, okay. the automated emergency braking and on a straight line path. Um, But the IAIHS, because it is funded by insurance companies, has, you know, if you think about the motivations of an insurance company and doing tests, why would they do it? They do it because they want to better understand when you apply for insurance and you have to list what car and what make and what year, for them to be able to assess the likelihood of you being in a major accident Um, and if you are in a major accident, the likelihood of you in, you know, having a major
0: injury (laughs) and now we're back to the morbid actuarial tables.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Very, very real. Uh, they want to understand how much it's going to cost them if you're in an accident. And if you're in a 19, you know, 70 Pinto, you're going to cost them a lot more than if you're in a a Volvo S60 or a Tesla model S. And so they want to understand that, um, and and better ha you know just have better tables and and better data, and so it's a it's a second score, and uh, yeah, it's sort of it's it's generally regarded as more stringent and more accurate for real world um, accidents, and one of the sort of general complaints about the NHTSA testing is that because it is a federal agency, it's it's more likely to be lobbied and sort <laughs> of. Um, inflated by car companies wanting higher scores because they're, you know, one of the things you see in car marketing all the time is people saying five star crash testing rating, and that's from those federal tests. And uh, many times they'll give a five star rating to a certain aspect. So you might get five star in the front collision, but not five star on the rollover or the side. But when they use it in advertising, they may not say five star overall. They might just say a five star rating, which might just be the front crash. And many cars can get five star front crash, but not side or rollover or other other sites. So um, it's definitely important to really dig in and find out the, the actual set of results, and not just the marketing. You know, someone saying we got a five star rating, since a very small percentage of cars actually get five star in every category
0: yeah that's pretty interesting we were were talking about it earlier and you were pointing out that yeah the IIHS is really more of the free market approach where uh yeah regardless of government lobbying or especially in the case of the U.S. where briefly the U.S. government I guess was a owner or majority investor in General Motors yeah um that yeah there creates some conflicts whereas the IIHS is a little more um theoretically independent although i guess the us government uh in the past like 10 years has also been a owner or majority investor in insurance companies too so who knows um <laughs> yeah so how has the um the model s performed in in these tests uh, and has it varied based on whether it's government or insurance uh industry
1: yeah so uh the model s has gone through the uh uh iihs uh, sorry, has not gone through the IIHS. They have not gone through the. Um, that's the insurance company. Insurance folks. Okay. Um, they have asked to be tested by them, uh, but they have not yet been tested. Um, so there's lots of conspiracy theories about why that's happened. Um, is it a volume issue or? That's what the general belief is, but they've tested Audis that are in the same class that sell less than the Model S, so it's not. It's not quite clear. Um, why it hasn't happened yet. And it's, you know, been over three years since they could have tested it. Um, so so
0: that's a little bit peculiar. Um, and so we don't have that. Do you know if that affects what the insurance rates are for Model S owners?
1: That is actually a good point. Um, Model S is a very expensive car to insure. The confounding factor there is, though, that because it's an aluminum car and has a lot more um, aluminum body panels than most cars, the bodywork fixing tends to be very expensive and so it's hard to untangle the safety rating potential and the actual uh repairability cost for the model s and also the model s can't usually go to independent dealers or independent repair shops so uh, it kind of has to go back to tesla And so the, the auto uh, insurers can't work out special deals with different firms to repair cars at better rates. So, um, it's hard to know for sure if it's because of the crash test rating or it's more expensive car to repair and it's also a luxury car, Mm -hmm. but generally it is a little bit higher than other cars of its class. Um, so yeah, it's, I think it might, I think it might just be more of an unknown for them than, uh than it not being safe, um, because it's a NITSA rating. Um, Tesla has been reviewed by the, uh, the federal us one and also the Euro end cap, uh, tests, and it actually performed incredibly well. Um, and so I think that one of the important pieces here is that it, it performed so well that they actually tried to, and Tesla touted that it was the best car ever reviewed
0: safety-wise, and that it <laughs> got
1: 5.4 stars. And then...
0: Yeah, can we talk about about that whole, my amplifier goes to 11 sort of situation there with the Model S?
1: Yeah, so they came out and said, Tesla said that it translated to a 5.4 star rating. And then the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration, NHTSA, came out and said, we do not rate vehicles beyond five stars <laughs> and does not rank or order vehicles within the standard, the star categories. Um, so how
0: did they get to 5.4?
1: So Tesla later then rebutted and said, we stand by what we wrote in the press release. We believe it to be true based on NHTSA's numeric relative risk score and overall vehicle safety score that ranks cars across its crash test categories. The VSS scores correlates to the overall probability of an occupant being injured in an accident. This data can be found publicly and Tesla's vehicle scores were 0.42, which was lower than any car listed in public documents. So essentially they're saying, uh, when you translate the raw data that is provided to manufacturers and is made public, no car s- scored better than a Tesla and sort of its probability of injury was 7% and you only need to be 10% to be five star. So I think they sort of interpreted the difference as uh 0.3. So the, the,
0: the data from the crash test is, is made public, the actual raw data in addition to the final score. Right. And the NHTSA point is like a
1: five-star car is a five-star car. And Tesla's point is, no, we are actually much better than any other car that's been tested. And we're going to talk about that. And so um, it hadn't really happened before. No one had really wanted to say more than five-star. And Tesla was one of the first people that I could find that actually tried to claim they were better than five-star. And so it caused a little bit of
0: a kerfuffle. Um, Do you think that they're actually going to try and get it moved to a six star system or are they going to try and push everyone else down like and, and reset the curve? Yeah, I think
1: that the standard will continue to improve, uh, increase because it was readjusted in 2011 after 30 plus years of being in place. And uh, now that the uh, uh, insurance folks are doing active safety, I think that the uh, uh, federal mandates will also start taking active safety into account. Um And many companies have already pledged to put automatic emergency braking into effect in their cars. So I think that will continue to be uh, a a rising standard. Um, But what's interesting, so for the Tesla, uh, the overall combined test showed a 7% uh, likelihood of injury and a five-star rating is 10%. A four-star rating is like 20%. So um, the lowest likelihood of, of serious injury If you want to buy a car, the Tesla is the lowest. And also in every single subcategory of those tests, they also got a five-star rating. So uh, the Tesla is extremely safe. Um, And also in the Euro NCAP test, which was the European one, which has a very different set of tests, it also got the highest um, rating. And so Tesla had a a press release about it and information information. And they said it's just like one of few cars ever achieve a five star safety rating from both the Euro NCAP and the uh, NHTSA, um, and it's the only car uh, to achieve the five star and the five star in every category, including front impact, side impact, and rollover. And then only two other cars have earned the same recognition since 2011. Um, so you think like
0: like heads were rolling at Volvo headquarters in Sweden? Like you know, yeah, like, I mean, let's, let's get the, on this
1: exactly i mean the volvo s60 uh, which is a sedan which is priced at around thirty-four thousand dollars us is uh, was the previous uh highest safe the most safe car previously um and so uh, volvo which is built their brand on safety uh has sort of been knocked off their perch uh as it were and what's interesting is that um the actual safety features like the volvos don't have the most airbags they don't necessarily have the most um sort of uh, feature-laden safety uh, components that other cars might have. And so actual safety of cars goes much deeper than just how many airbags you have. Um, And so I wanna talk a little bit about some of the actual components that make a Tesla safe. Like why, why is it the safest car? And how does Tesla walk in as a new car entrant and become the safest car when there's hundreds of other models released that it just it beat Uh, how is that possible
0: is that related to it being a simpler electric vehicle or is it something more than that yeah
1: so I think there are a couple key things Um, so the first is that uh, without an engine up front uh, there is more distance for a frontal crash to absorb uh,
0: the force of a oncoming car but the, I mean, there's also less like inertial mass too to absorb the impact. So that that that's an interesting sort of tension there. So uh, the example that Elon Musk likes to give is
1: that um, jumping into a shallow pool with rocks, a big boulder in it is not as good as jumping into a deep pool with no rocks so his point is that the (laughs) are those my
0: only two choices
1: right yes so and yeah he's very good at setting up dichotomies you would not want to actually uh, pursue uh one option of and so uh his point is that an engine is the boulder so yes an engine may uh have more mass and could absorb it but actually that engine will just continue moving into the uh, passenger compartment. It actually doesn't absorb the force because it doesn't, it doesn't, um, it, doesn't
0: uh, it doesn't break. It's well, no, too but it, but it is a, a large amount of mass that's moving in the same direction and same velocity and, and, and direction that you're moving.
1: Yes. Yeah, so that's a second. So that's actually the second component. So uh, having a large crumple zone of uh, the, the frunk. <laughs> uh, is, is very valuable because uh, the general physics of it is just like the
0: uh, force over distance. I feel like we needed a little sad trombone song that plays every time you have to say frunk. I know. I think
1: Tesla's actually stopped calling it a frunk. Um, they just call it a front trunk now. Um, <laughs> but that, that absorbs a lot of energy. And in all of the crashes that I've seen of the Teslas uh, that are somewhat front or uh, somewhat side swiped, that's a really important part because that entire front can be sheared off or collapsed and absorb a ton of energy before it gets to the uh, passenger compartment. So that's sort of
0: one. Yeah, and it's, it certainly was with the uh, Model X crash that, that you, we were talking about at the beginning. Exactly, and so number two is overall mass. So
1: a large object and uh, mass-filled object hitting a smaller mass object, the heavy mass object will mm, win. It will push it out of the way. It will transfer more of its energy to the smaller car. It will exert its will. Exactly. And so a Tesla is over 5000 pounds. Uh, So it is a very heavy vehicle relative to its class um, because of, of the batteries. And so, um, going up against an SUV, uh, it's pretty equally matched, and certainly uh, is heavier than almost every other sedan. So, and its its mass is going to be a lot lower than the SUVs as well. Right. So that's point number three. Oh, is sorry. That no, it's fine. <laughs> uh, we don't have this written down. We're just freestyling. So, point number three uh, is that the mass is very low, which helps with rollover. So Tesla claimed that they couldn't even get the car to roll over in testing. Uh they 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 had to bring in a special testing machine to roll it over because it, it, it wouldn't roll over in its normal testing because uh the batteries are very heavy, they're below the floor pan. And so this helps both in performance uh handling, but also in safety because uh rollovers, uh many SUVs have rollover problems because the center of gravity is is quite high. The Tesla is very low. And so the mass is hitting at a low, uh, angle of inflection. And so it's unlikely to, um, flip.
0: Yeah. We, Uh, we definitely noticed that when we were test driving the model X too. like, even though mm -hmm. it's technically like a higher, uh, crossover type vehicle, probably not an SUV, but at least a crossover it's handling is incredible. It was like driving a go-kart. Yep.
1: And one of the other interesting things is that the Model S also beats the safety score of other SUVs and minivans. Uh, so even when you compare it to other sedans, it wins. But even if you compare it to minivans and SUVs, which typically are better safety-wise than sedans, it also uh, it also wins. And some of the other benefits are Tesla has worked hard to uh, sort of the fourth thing, I guess, would be that they've worked hard to engineer it to be five-star, even in parts of the car where the testing doesn't occur. So they made sure it was five-star for the tests, but then they also looked at where the weakest parts of the car were and made sure that if they were tested in those spots, they would also achieve a five-star rating. And so they did this through lots of aluminum reinforcing in certain parts. sort of thinking about crumple zones uh, and like the roof is so strong, you could take four, you could stack four Teslas on top of your Tesla and it still wouldn't collapse. <laughs> so in a rollover situation, if it were to roll over, which is extremely rare, uh, unlikely uh, it would actually be fine. So Tesla just also went above and beyond to actively engineer the, the vehicle to be safe uh, and, and, and sort of win even uh, when it wasn't being tested in those particular areas. Um, so, so that's all the passive safety. And uh, I think it's important to just sort of mention, like there's both active safety features. Um, so things that help you not get into an accident or a car crash in some form. And then passive safety uh, relates to features that protect you after a crash or safety incident has occurred. So seat belts, uh, the actual sort of, uh, structural integrity of the vehicle airbags are all part of passive safety. And then active safety would be things like emergency braking, uh, uh, ABS, uh, and then sort of uh, blind spot detection, all these other features. So, so passively the Tesla is extremely safe. If you are to be hit by another vehicle or some other object, you are quite safe in the cocoon of a Tesla model S and also the model X, but the X hasn't fully been tested yet. And then on the, passive, uh, on the active side, Tesla has a lot of features because they have the radar front, they have the ultrasonics all around the vehicle, and they have the forward camera. So they can help uh, do the automatic braking, uh, collision avoidance. So if someone's veering into your lane, the Tesla will sw- uh, swerve and uh, also help you uh, try not to hit another car. Uh, If you're moving into their lane uh, and drifting, it will push you back. And what's nice is all those features are included standard for free in your Tesla, uh, separate from the autopilot sort of active features. So even though Tesla charges for autopilot, they don't charge for these safety features. And I think that's a really important thing to note because many car brands are charging extra for their safety uh, like a forward collision and it's sort of on higher end packages. But to date, every Tesla that's sold has included those features for, uh, for free. You don't have to pay an upgrade. And the model three also is, uh, been described to not, not, uh, Tesla said that they won't charge for those safety features that are, uh, these really technology enabled features.
0: Cool. cool. Well, you just mentioned autopilot, so I immediately started paying attention to what you were talking about. Sure. Um, So, so I guess I'd like to talk a little bit about how much do you think um, this focus on safety and the sort of safety of the passenger cabin has to do with um, creating an environment where people will be confident in letting the car take over more of the driving features. Um, We've noticed this with Tesla and their focus on safety. And um, recently there's been the announcement that Uber is going to be uh, starting to do some self-driving rides in Pittsburgh or the Pittsburgh area. And Mm -hmm. they're using some of the Volvo XC90s, which is like the biggest, safest possible Volvo. Um, And there seems to be this sort of undercurrent of, hey, it's okay to get in this vehicle and let the robot drive you because even if the robot screws up, you're going to be okay.
1: Yeah, I I think that it certainly uh doesn't hurt to make sure that the car is safe uh first and foremost um passively and then secondarily saying we have active features which now autopilot will be a part of those to say we are better at driving than a human and will cause less accidents in the first place. Um I think that It will be true, and I think Volvo being involved with uh, so much of the self-driving is that, as we've talked about in the past, self-driving will really gain adoption uh, from regulation as a safety feature, and that automakers will try and push automation as safety first and convenience second, because I think that for many uh, people, the idea of being in a safer car is quite important. Um, A lot of money and a lot of marketing dollars are spent in touting the safety of different vehicles. Uh, Even vehicles that aren't inherently that safe relative to their peers still look for glimmers of hope in their safety ratings to include in, in, uh, in their marketing.
0: Right. And well, and the, the trend over time, especially over the past few decades has been that there are fewer and fewer deaths because more and more people are surviving what accidents they do have. So there has been a clear, you know, marketing aside, there has been a very clear trend of like this focus on safety, having like tangible results.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Certainly the trend for safety has, uh, been very clearly, uh, forward and improving, um, Thing that, that cars have become safer and as a result, fewer people have uh, died and been injured in vehicles uh, than they were 30, 40 years ago. So I think that the way to continue to improve it, uh, because so many people have been uh, working on the passive safety, there's diminishing returns occurring there. I mean, there's only so much you
0: can reinforce a vehicle and still make it a, a movable vehicle. I don't know. There was, if you remember the movie Demolition Man, that when they had an accident, the whole car filled up with foam. So there's that, there is that possibility. Hollywood has shown us the way. Yeah. I think that
1: there, <laughs> there are certain, certainly something, I mean, like, uh, airplanes that throw down foam to land and all these things are technically possible. Um, we haven't seen any commercialization of many of those. Thank you for humoring me on that one. More extreme, uh, more extreme uh, measures, and I, I definitely believe, and Tesla certainly believes that uh, the active safety through autopilot type features and the car getting involved will lead to the next sort of uh, opportunity in safety improvements, uh, more so than stronger sidewalls and better, um, uh, better crash resistance. Because I think the the most fundamental thing is it would be better not to get into an accident at all than to have to uh, cope with the physics of two very heavy objects colliding. Uh, And so anything you can do to prevent that is uh, certainly a much bigger win than uh, dealing with the inevitable physics of, of two heavy objects. So I think that what's interesting is that Tesla has already shown a very uh, capable ability to make safe cars because of the intrinsic benefits of uh, uh, an electric vehicle with the battery in the bottom, not having a, a large engine in the front, so allowing the crumple zone, and and also just engineering the car generally to be safer uh, from the start, plus uh, their focus on autopilot-type features and the benefits that come from the car sensing where it is uh, more accurately and quickly than a human can. So in the context of a Model 3, Tesla saying we want to get five-star in every category. I think they'll be able to do it, and um, I think it bodes well for sales of Model 3 because... I don't know about you and I'm curious, but I I think as I'm getting more and more old, uh, the (laughs) safety of my vehicle becomes a higher percentage of uh, the decision-making process because I I know more and more that driving a car is extremely dangerous. And uh, I'm more concerned with preservation of life and of my friends and eventual family than of uh, the style of the car or, it's speed or other characteristics are, are taking a back seat as it were. So I'm curious, how, how do you rank safety and do you think about safety? Do you look at five star ratings? How does it, how does it affect your buying decision for cars you've made in the past?
0: Well, we, we actually had a, a pretty severe car accident uh, when we were living in Seattle back in this would have been 2007. Uh, we had a 2000 Jetta, which is a, it was a nice little car. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, uh, yeah, my wife got T-boned when she was coming through an intersection and, uh, we actually didn't think of the safety ratings of the vehicle when we bought it. Uh, but it did have pretty high safety ratings and yeah, she was able to completely walk away from this, uh, pretty terrible accident where she was t-boned right into the driver's side door of the vehicle. Wow. Um, and yeah, it was, uh, she walked away from it and we then all of a sudden became acutely aware of safety ratings. And we, we ended up getting a the Volkswagen rabbit that we have now, uh, which is also a pretty high, it's not the most attractive vehicle in the world, but it, it, it has a pretty, uh, high safety ratings. Um, uh, and yeah, it it, it has, it definitely elevated it in our consciousness and we feel better about it. Uh, so yeah, it, it, it is something where maybe you have to be burned to really uh, feel that.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, I was in a pretty bad car accident as a kid in a bus that rolled over multiple times and luckily everyone in the, was relatively unharmed, but it was definitely uh, reminded me that you you can be in a car accident even if you're not driving and all sorts of scenarios can lead to bad things. And so I am, you know, very conscious of the cars I'm driving in. And I think that, uh, Tesla, as they ramp up their marketing and go more mass market, uh, what is going to be the deciding factor between buying an a four and a BMW three series and, uh, an entry level C class or a very high spec Hyundai or uh, Honda is, for many people is going to be the safety, and especially if it's an entry family car, uh, I think safety is incredibly important. And so I, I think that Tesla will continue to tout the safety, especially as um, if it is the safest sedan in its class, that will be a really important part of the marketing of the Model 3, even more than the Model S, um, because I think that luxury buyers uh, expect a higher level of safety anyways, because they're paying for so much so much of the safety features, airbags, I mean seat belts, airbags, uh, automatic uh, brake or even just uh, anti-lock braking. Many of these safety features started on luxury cars first. And so I think luxury buyers generally expect that their cars are safer than less expensive cars. But when you're in the twenty five or thirty thousand dollar range, it's not always expected that the car is is super safe. Um, And so unless you're buying a Volvo, I think uh, it's not guaranteed that your car is that great unless you really check into it. And especially with so many people buying SUVs, which are inherently heavier and generally uh, safer, except for rollover, um, if you're buying a sedan, you really do want to make sure that you're going to be okay if you end up uh, getting T-boned by a big GMC truck like uh like what happened
0: in this accident um a few days ago so yeah i think um, that's a really weird dynamic uh, on the roads here in the uh, at least in the u.s uh where there's a there can be a pretty big discrepancy between the size of the vehicle and the amount of sort of inertial mass that you're throwing in one direction Mm -hmm. versus the skill of the person who's operating it? Uh, there's no sort of test that says like if you have twice the inertial mass of another vehicle that you have to be twice as good of a driver, it's not that at all. and uh, the, it's almost some sort of like arms race of I want to be safe so I'm gonna be in this vehicle that's high and it's heavy and if I do, get in an accident I'll be safer and if I happen to not be paying attention and run through a red light like this in this particular accident then well screw the other person I'm still going to be safer
1: yeah I mean I think that's I I was recently rented a Toyota Yaris which is a very small subcompact car for a trip and I actively felt unsafe on the highway in that car for multiple reasons I mean it it was loud (laughs) Uh, you could hear a lot of road noise, and it was moved around by the wind, which is clearly not a good thing. Uh, <laughs> and it's very small. And when you're passing very large SUVs, uh, you do not want to go up against an SUV in a very small car. And so it it is this strange phenomenon where uh, you can buy a heavy car, and be safer yourself, but you're actively uh, impeding on the safety of other people in some way, because if you do get in an accident, you are going to cause them more harm than if you're in an equally matched mass-sized car. So I think that certainly as more and more cars become electric, uh, the mass will be more equal um, between smaller cars and larger cars, but it it is sort of this strange thing where as a society, at least in in, in the U.S., we, we don't um, we don't have any way to deal with that um, besides the wealth of the person, um, because smaller cars generally are less expensive than larger cars, and there's just been a general push towards SUVs and a belief that SUVs are safer, um, even though they tend to have bigger rollover problems, which can be a pretty bad bad issue. So, yeah, I think overall, like Tesla is actively working to make safety a priority. Uh, I think that digging into the safety of Tesla relative to other cars made me even more confident that they are very safe, both from a a, a tested point of view as well as from doing more research into third parties who have assessed their cars. And I think bodes well for the company overall that Uh, There's really only one major manufacturer in Volvo that um, is known for safety, and Tesla, I think, has the ability to be a second manufacturer that can say safety is a very high priority, and part of that is due to it being electric. And so, because they do have this lead on being an electric car, uh, they get to draft off of that inherent benefit. And I think, longer term, as more and more cars do become electric, it's a, a great thing for for everyone because uh, there'll be more safe cars uh, inherently than there are today. So, um, yeah, I think that's uh, those are the main things I, I thought would be interesting in talking about safety. Is there anything else, Mike? That was on your mind.
0: Uh, so, did uh, the safety of the Tesla factor in at all when you were reserving your Model Three? I th- I I can't say that it
1: is a it was a a motivating factor for making the reservation. I think it is a, uh, uh, a reassuring uh, point to the decision as more and more cars, so in thinking about like the Volt after we did the episode, I was, I was reconsidering maybe getting a Volt for a period, mm-hmm. um, or even the Bolt, um, which I think we'll talk about at some point. And uh, I definitely am excited to see that the Tesla is, is attempting to be five-star safe. Um, the model three, yeah, the model three. Um, but I think that for me, the choice of the next car safety is definitely a, um, a baseline criteria, but it, it isn't the deciding, it isn't the motivating reason to like want the model three. I think for me, it still is the autonomy, uh, components and, uh, the, the general sort of performance characteristics of it. Um, but I'm certainly very happy that it will be a safe car uh, as described. And I, I have pretty high confidence that their modeling will let them actually have that be true, uh, since so that's a so nice much, bonus. I, I think test figuring, figuring out what three tests are going to, uh, what well, the outcome of those will be in a simulation. I, th- I think we have the technology to do that. So, um, they've been pretty good at predicting
0: that. Do you think they have to try harder because they're a new company and they're trying to a new car company and they're trying to establish their brand? Certainly, I, I think that the, I think safety
1: is a very easy way to try and um, throw someone under the bus, as it were, uh, as a <laughs> as a corporate citizen. So, if if their cars were unsafe and a lot of people who got into accidents had issues or or deaths, I think you would see a lot more major car manufacturers saying Tesla is an irresponsible manufacturer and they make fast cars, but they also make very dangerous cars, um, and so I think they realized it was very important and I think also just very real that Elon Musk has five kids and um, he said on numerous public occasions that he wants his kids to be safe in the cars that he's driving around in and that he's driving in himself um, and I, you know, I, I can't see how any CEO of a car company would want anything less for their own family and friends. Um, I think it's just unfortunate that not all of them are as stellar. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think it definitely makes an impact.
0: Cool. Cool. So basically to sum up this episode, we can dance if we want to, we can leave your friends behind.
1: Yeah, I think that's about right.
0: Sorry. All right. Um, so I think we've gone long enough here. Um, let's, uh, let's wrap this up. If, if people have any comments on, uh, their safety experiences with a model S or a model X, uh, where can they, uh, reach us?
1: Yep. You can tweet at us
0: uh, most quickly at
1: the Tesla show on Twitter. Um, You can leave a comment on our website, theteslashow.com. And also if you are into Reddit, we have a subreddit r slash the Tesla show. And we post a, a, a new episode each week after we go live. So there's a comment thread. If you want to converse with other listeners there as well.
0: Yeah, we get some great uh, yeah. comments. There's, there's some really great stuff that comes in um, and we do read it all. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's great to hear from, from the people who listen.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've got some really good stuff. I mean, the Volt one, we, we got a lot of listeners who are Volt uh, owners and who are either trading in to get a Tesla at some point uh, and they're using it as a stopover or they, they just like their Volt. Um, so we got a lot of good feedback on the Volt um, apologize. It is not a rear wheel drive car. Uh, it is front wheel drive. (laughs) So I made a mistake there. Um, so thank you for that correction.
0: We don't do follow-ups, uh, like, like some podcasts do. we kind of just tend to be a little more Zen and kind of look forward. Um, but yeah, we do appreciate all that stuff.
1: Yeah. And, and as Mike said, we read all of it. Um, so if you post something, we will see it. Um, and it does influence our thinking more broadly. So we'd love, we'd love the feedback and hearing from folks. And it just makes me feel good for sure. It makes it, makes it nice to know that people are listening. Um, so with that, uh, we'll be back in about a week, uh, with a new discussion. Awesome. Talk to you later. It's getting really weird.